my wonderful friends. Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. Uh, this is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. Uh, this is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary, minister to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church in the beautiful city of Adelaide. Our theme this week is the passing of death and the big questions. Is there life post-death? Can a soul die? How did Christ relate to death? That's our subject for today. And tomorrow, how do I prepare for death? Our co-host today is Helen Gray. Helen's the lay pastoral leader of the Birdwood Seventh-day Adventist Church, and it's wonderful to have and have Helen with us. Welcome, Helen. Thank you, Gary. It's a great delight to be here again. You Just are a it. very greatly appreciated presenter. Some Thank of the you. feedback that you've given has really been enjoyed. Oh, well, that's great. Praise God. Tell me, how's your week been? It's been busy. It's been exciting. It's uh, been tiring. Um, it's been blessed. That that sound, tiring is good for a long weekend that is actually coming up <laughs> because that means you must be going to do something relaxing for the long weekend. Well, it sounds like I might get a bit of sleep in this time. Well, I, I really hope. hope that you do get a little bit of sleep in because, uh, you know, a long weekend this time of the year when the days are short, fantastic thing to actually uh actually have. Yeah. I actually have to put everything back where it should be after my kitchen was renovated several weeks ago. So I haven't got round to it yet. So Well, you're going to have your day well and truly occupied, so. aren't you? Yeah, <laughs> that's right so. indeed. Now, look, before we come to our question today, I just want to share with us, uh, our listeners, an update on world religious trends. You know, I'm so conscious that huge changes are actually occurring. These are trends that I believe can't be ignored. You know, our news update for today concerns the latest release from the American Worldview Inventory. This was released just June 2, uh, 2020, so just a couple of days ago, and it concerns the American view of morality. Now, uh, this um, uh, this survey uh, released by George Barner uh, really stood out to me with, uh, with one particular paragraph. This is what it said. When it comes to practical morality, a majority of Americans today no longer embrace values of honesty, respect for the rule of the law, and sanctity of life, and traditional sexual morality when facing moral issues. Particularly, there's one-third of American adults who rely on religious faith when making moral choices, but another third are just as likely to rely on other people and a third, third, on their own personal beliefs, feelings or experiences. The survey results, when they were released just those few days ago, really stood out to quite a number of people. Uh, In the actual survey results itself, this is what it said. 
Our nation is facing a potential moral freefall unthinkable to earlier generations, with a majority of Americans today no longer embracing values of honesty, respect for the rule of law, sanctity of life, traditional sexual morality when facing moral issues. The latest research from the Cultural Research Center at the Arizona Christian University shows that America is undergoing a radical reshaping of what constitutes morally acceptable behavior. Increasingly, American adults reject biblical teaching and absolute moral truth as the basis for making those decisions. The study finds that American adults are as likely to rely on other people or their own personal beliefs, feelings or experiences as they are on religious faith when making moral choices. The research shows that this seismic shift occurs even amongst people of faith. Although born-again Christians in the survey were three times as likely to rely on the Bible for primary moral guidance, less than half actually do so in practical reality. Those most likely to rely on a religious resource, usually the Bible, were those aligned with either an evangelical or a Pentecostal church. People associated, the survey said, with a mainline Protestant congregation were most likely to rely on themselves for moral wisdom. Catholics were most likely to turn to other people. Now, this particular survey really jumped out at me. Helen, does this survey surprise you at all? I think one thing that surprises me is the last figures that you just handed out. You you were saying that, um, where was it? That most people are aligned with either an evangelical, 58%, or a Pentecostal church, 62%. You know, they look to the Bible. Yeah. And yet the next part was a mainline Protestant congregation were most likely to rely upon themselves for moral wisdom. That rings alarm bells for me. Um, and I guess I'm... I'm not so surprised because this whole world is degenerating. Mm. And sadly, um, people aren't looking to the Bible like they used to for the answers. Do you think any of what is occurring in America at the present time can be linked to this uh, fall in the teaching of morality? I believe so. And I think if you were to look into uh, Martin Luther King's um, comments and what he said when he was alive, you would see it doesn't line up with what they're doing. Absolutely okay. not. Look, I'm not saying they don't have a right to protest. I mm-hmm. believe they do. Mm-hmm. I think it was a dreadful thing that happened. But I think when you mix that up with the violence and the looters and what have you, um, no, that's definitely not the way to go. Mm-hmm. And and that's a bit of a shock, I think, than you know anything else. I guess the other thing that, that disturbs me is that when we look at these trends, they go downward. Mostly, yeah, yeah. and I think we're in a position now that we have to stop the downward flow. Yeah, and to me, that's only going to come about with the next generation, and it's what we show to them in our lives. And uh, you know, are we trusting the Bible, or are we trusting um, other friends, or or you know, other avenues, or are we actually trusting God? Do you think the churches actually have a responsibility to be involved in moral teaching? Yes. Absolutely. But moral teaching as the Bible teaches it. Okay. Not as man teaches. 
as the Bible teaches, Gary. Do you, do you think the, the teachings of Christendom as a whole, because we're not trying to uh, detail any one particular church here, no. but do you think that uh, the teachings of Christianity as, as a whole have changed in recent years? I believe so. I believe some of us have lost focus um, and some of us have been focused on too many other things. Mm-hmm. And I think it's it's very sad that few follow Christ uh, completely. You know, when Christ was on the on this earth, some people said he was just a moral teacher. Mm-hmm. But listen to those words. He was a moral teacher. Yeah. And yeah. he taught it and he lived it. And I think if we as Christians, doesn't matter what denomination, but I believe that if we as Christians were living that life, if we were committed to Christ 100%, and living that moral life, the example that we said would surely have a bearing on society. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting that that um, development over more recent years has certainly changed uh, the way in which Christianity has presented itself. Because while we're certainly wanting to present a, a grace-filled theology, you know, connected with that in the scriptures uh, traditionally has certainly been a responsibility on behalf of man as far as morality is concerned. I suppose myself, I think of even myself, Growing up as a as a young person, uh, I, I attended a church where certainly I was so thankful that grace and faith were presented powerfully, and yet at the same time they presented a thing. For example, the Ten Commandments. You know, the Ten Commandments was something that you know, as a young person, that uh, we were we were challenged to say, "Hey, look, you know, once you come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, well." At that point, you you actually come also into a uh, into a relationship where you uh, where you grow in faith, you grow in grace, you uh, you start to become a more moral person, and the scriptures themselves are able to define what that what that morality is all about. Yes, and and you're right in bringing up the Ten Commandments, Gary. Even the Lord said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Let me just say in defense of of some of the young people, I did mention the next generation, but there are some young people that are really um, giving their lives to Christ. And I'm just astounded, especially even even, um, not teenagers, sometimes even younger. They're actually getting out there and they're spreading the word. And I, I think that's a positive that just may keep us out of trouble. I agree with you totally. And now, Helen, that to me is probably one of the most exciting things that I'm seeing happening in the church at this point. There's, uh, for a long time, we've said, oh, the, the church is graying, the church is growing old. Certainly the churches that I've, I've been part of in, in recent years have had a huge university focus. And you've actually had university students who have been coming along and bringing their friends to church as well. Yes. And to me, when I see that taking place, I'm saying, hey, there's something, there's something happening. Uh, within at least some churches. Yes, the thing is that we have to remember as seniors or as adults, we we need to give the right message. Mm-hmm. You know, there's nothing worse than, than somebody starts to know Christ and then he, he sees it not in the lives of the people, yeah. whether at church yeah. or at home. And that can be very discouraging. That that is so important, isn't it? Yes, I mean, yes. basically, that's that's called hypocrisy in the scriptures. And it's interesting the number of surveys that have actually revealed that one of the one of the major 
uh, impact. One of the things that can uh, become an incredibly negative influence on the life of uh, many young people and many people is hypocrisy. When they sense and see that hypocrisy is actually happening within the church, then they say, hey, this is not real. It's very sad, isn't it? I mean, I'd like to say to those people, please don't focus on that. Please don't focus on other people. Focus on the Lord. Yeah. Yeah, he yeah. certainly was not a hypocrite. Yeah, yeah, and, and he was a thing called authentic. And Absolutely, in, the world in which we live today is looking for authentic people, and he will never let us down. And and that's yes. so true. Let's come to some uh, some music. Uh, I love uh, Bill and Gloria Gaither. This is because he lives. How sweet to hold. Our newborn baby And feel the pride And the joy that he gives But greater still The calm assurance We can face uncertain days I don't care what the headlines on CNN say tomorrow we can face uncertain days sing with us because
Welcome back. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time, big Q&A with Pastor Gary. Our co-host today is Helen Gray. Helen's the lay pastoral leader of the Birdwood Seventh-day Adventist Church. And our theme for this week is the passing of death. And today we're asking, how did Christ relate to death? It's a huge question. It's a big question. It's a question that we must all confront at some point. Uh, Helen, help us out. How did Jesus Christ, how did he relate to death? Well, I think it's uh, very clear in the Bible, and we're going to get to some of those those points. But let me just give you a bit of an introduction that in 1981, not long before he died, there was a writer, William Saroyan. He was quoted by the Associate Press as having said, everybody has got to die, but I've always believed an exception would be made in my case. <laughs> now what? <laughs> you know, that's a question that everybody faces, isn't it? What happens when a person dies? And you've yeah. dealt with that very well throughout the week with all your co-hosts as well. Does the Bible tell us what happens? Well, yes, it does. And it's a very important subject. Mm. And uh, I heard you say the other day, Gary, about, um, you know, how would it be? Let, well, now let me rephrase that. When I didn't know what the Bible said, I believed that um, when someone died, they went to heaven. Yeah. You know, I didn't want to think of them going to hell as such, but they went to heaven. And that's the most but common belief today, isn't it? It is today, the common belief. Yeah. But, you know, when I thought about it, Gary, and when I, I came to see what the Bible said, it made so much sense to me, yeah. you know, when the Bible actually calls death a sleep. And Jesus himself says that, you know, that death is a sleep. And when you think about a sleep, we don't know anything. And we're going to have a quick look at that. You know, this yeah, afternoon. Yeah. But then I thought about it, and what you were saying last night struck a chord with me. It would be terrible, terrible, absolutely shocking if I had to think of my parents being in heaven. I mean, I'd love them to be in heaven, but mm. if I thought they'd gone straight to heaven and they were looking down at me and they saw some of the things that had happened to me mm. in my life and not be able to help me, that would not be heaven. Exactly. That it, would be hell. It becomes hell at that yes. point, doesn't it? And so what the Bible says about death brought me a lot of comfort. Yeah. So, yeah. okay, let's have a look. Um, sleep. What does the Bible say? Ecclesiastes 9, verse 5 and 6. You've got that, I think, Gary, have you? Yes, yeah, yeah I do have Strange it here for you. I, uh, I, I love this particular passage, actually. Of course, this is uh, King Solomon. He writes the book of Ecclesiastes. He's known as the wise man of the scripture. And Ecclesiastes sums up his learning that he has engaged in throughout his entire life. And what he says is, uh, is this, uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 5 and 6, For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing. They have no more reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. And also their love, their hatred, their envy have now perished. Never more do they have a share in anything that is done under the sun. It's a it's a powerful passage of scripture, isn't it, Helen? Absolutely. Absolutely. When you stop and think about it and you break it down, they've got no bodily senses. It's a bit like you go to sleep, you go under anesthetic, whatever, you know nothing. And then you suddenly wake up. Yeah. Well, to me that's how I look at death. I love that um, that illustration that you use there of a yeah. person being under anaesthetic because this is yeah. something that I know that I mean once or twice in my life I've you know had minor um, procedures that I've had to go under anaesthetic for and I remember the very first time I mean I didn't know how it was going to be but I found it the most remarkable experience you know you 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 lie you go to sleep 
and the next thing you know you're in recovery and everything is finished and you know nothing you know i yeah. my my children at one point wanted to know what is death how does it and this teaching of the scriptures to me i found so beautiful because it's able to give hope for the future but it's also able to tell me what is real for the here and the now Absolutely. Gary, I think Job even mentioned something, if I remember rightly. He does indeed. It's about ooh, chapter 14, I think. Can Ch- we have a look at that? Yeah, Job, sure. Let's, uh, 14. let's come back to it. And of course, Job is the, is the first book that uh, we believe was actually written. Yes. And uh, uh, this, of course, we believe was written by uh, the prophet Moses uh, way back at the very beginning of uh, of time. Now what was that verse again there? 21. 21 and uh, this is his sons come to honour him and he does not know it they are brought low and he does not perceive it. So he knows nothing about what's happening with the children. Mm. So obviously he hasn't gone to heaven and he's looking down. Yeah. Isn't yeah. that a comforting thought? It to me, it's comfort. To, to me, yes. it's incredible comfort because yes. to actually witness some of the travesty that occurs on this earth is something that, to me, I would hate to be able to view if, in fact, I could do nothing about it. Yes, would have been terrible. Now, you mentioned 9-6 as well. You know, um, you realise that your love is perished. You don't love, you don't hate, which is a good thing. That's Ecclesiastes. Yes, Yes. and you don't have any desires, um, and there's nothing that you can share under the sun. So you're in that anaesthetic state, if you like, yeah, you know, as yeah. we were talking about. I think, so, I think the important thing for our, our listeners to actually realise here is that when the Scriptures talk about uh, death, uh, there's two types of death. There's this thing called sleep, but then there's a thing called the eternal death. Because what we actually have within the scriptures is we have this time that Christ speaks of uh, um, of death as a sleep. Now we're going to come to that in just in just a moment, and it's that picture of death where Christ is going to, and we're going to show that in just a moment that Christ views what we call death a sleep. Yes, but there's something else. That happens after the resurrection, and that is actually death. Yes. As we know it. Yeah. Eternal death. You're so right, Gary. Psalm one one five seventeen tells me again about death. It says the dead cannot sing praises to the Lord. And it also says, For they have gone into the silence of the grave. So it's absolute silence. No pain, no feelings, just Silence. Some sometimes we we write when a person has passed away. R.I.P. What does R.I.P. stand for? There. It says rest in peace. Rest in peace. You know, I actually saw a number plate the other day. R.I.P. You know, and I thought, hey, I wonder who that is actually referring to. But people don't realise how true that actually is. A person is able within death to actually rest. In peace. Yes. And because we have what the Bible says about death and we have that comfort, those that have lost a loved one can also rest in peace if they know that at the when Jesus comes there is eternal life if they've yeah. made that choice. Yeah. And and that's resting in that, peace. That is as resting. Well. Okay, so how did Jesus describe death? Well let's look at John. John eleven, eleven and fourteen. 
And let's just flip over to that. That's John 11, yep. uh, 11 to 14. If anyone is actually uh, following us uh, following along at this particular point, um, do you want to read that for us, uh, Helen? I'm happy to do that. Let me just give a preface to it, though. This was Jesus' best friend he's talking about here. The friend was Lazarus. And um, Lazarus had two sisters, Martha and Mary, and Jesus was very good friends with them, often stayed with them. And here he was out preaching, and then he heard that Lazarus was sick. Mm. And um, he was actually sick unto death. Mm. But he didn't go straight away, which at first would make you think, why not? But it's interesting that when you find out, and it must have hurt him not to go, but at the same token, it was to God's glory. Yeah. Because in verses 11, um, 11 and 14, let me just have a look. It says, then he said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I will go and wake him up. And I believe that was about four days. Yeah, he, he actually gets the news of a, of a sickness. You know, if I actually receive news that a friend of mine is sick, Unto death. In other words, they're likely to die. Yes. My initial reaction is to turn around and say, hey, let me get there so at least I can say my farewells. Maybe yes. I could. Jesus was one who was actually able to help them because he actually had power to, uh, to heal the sick. Uh, I would have thought he would have gone straight away, but that wasn't what he chose to do. And rather, he hung around for four days yes. until finally Lazarus passes away. And what happened? Well, I bet, I bet his disciples were really wondering what's going on here. But anyway, he goes, and um, it's interesting, and I will read 12 as well. It says, the disciples said, Lord, if he is sleeping, he will soon get better. I think actually verse 11, it's important that we read 11 there as well. Uh, these things he said, and after he said to them, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I might wake, wake him, him up. up. Yeah, yeah. And his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death. But they thought he was speaking about taking a rest in sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is... I'm taking your job, aren't I, Helen? You're not only taking my job, you're repeating the verses that I had already read. But that's okay, Gary. They're very important. But I hadn't read 14, so go ahead. Go ahead. Yes. And Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and I am glad for your sakes I wasn't there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Yeah. Well, that's interesting, is it? So what did Jesus describe death as? This sleep. As a sleep. Rather than going immediately into the presence of God at death, the dead slept a dreamless sleep in anticipation of a future resurrection. So he didn't die and go straight to heaven, did he? No. No. And in fact, there are dozens of locations in the Bible where it talks about death is referred to as a sleep. But let's look at another one, and I can see you anxious to read these texts, Gary, so let me give them back to you. John eleven forty three. What does that say? Yeah, John eleven uh, forty three, and uh, it says says this. Now, when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, "Lazarus, come forth!" Yes, I didn't. That doesn't mean he was the fourth one to come, by the way. <laughs> but I did want to mention that because you notice he said, "Come forth." Lazarus had been dead for how many days? Four, and yet Jesus did not call him down from heaven. He didn't say, "Come down." Mm. He didn't say, "Come up." Mm. 
you know. And, and the simple reason, I believe, is that Lazarus did not go to heaven at that point when he died. You know, instead he went into the grave and Jesus called Lazarus out of the grave. He said, come forth. Come out of And the I grave. think that, that was just an important yeah. point to sort of mention up. Okay, let's just move on. Um, Acts 2, 29 and 34. Acts 2, 29 and 34. Just using the Bible here, Gary. I think it's very important that it comes from Scripture, not from your eye. I think I think you make a very important point there, um, uh, Helen. What we're actually dealing with here is a procedure for following, uh, for allowing the Scriptures to speak. And, yes. you know, sometimes I think it's important that we do allow the Scriptures themselves to actually speak and, and ask that question, what do the Scriptures themselves actually say? And that's what you're doing right now. Yes. And that's what I think in Scripture itself actually encourages us, us to do. I believe so, Gary. Well, well what, what was that passage again? That's Acts two twenty nine and thirty four, and uh, he, uh, Jesus brings in about David, King okay. David. Men and brethren, let me speak to you freely about our patriarch David. That he is both dead and buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. For David, it says, did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at your right hand till I make your enemies my footstool. Interesting, interesting, because here we we expect to see King David one day, don't we? Well, he was certainly a man after God's own heart. He's a man that you would expect that if, in fact, God was going to take anyone to the kingdom... It would be David. It would be David. Yeah, Yeah. we expect to see him in heaven one day. But God made it very clear, and by the way, that was through Peter, and that was approximately a thousand years after his death. Mm. And he made it very clear that David was not in heaven. Yeah. You know, Peter made a very plain statement when he said David did not ascend into heavens. Where was David? David was still in the tomb, sleeping the sleep of death. Mm. And I think that's, that's very important also. You know, here we go again saying it's you know he's asleep in the grave yeah which i which as i said i believe is very important what about john 5 28 to 29 john 5 28 to 29 yeah this is actually a, a really powerful little passage where christ of course is speaking about the subject of, of death and he says this do not marvel at this for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth Those who have done good to the resurrection of life, those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. Here we seem to have uh, those who are resting are actually resting in the grave, but at a future time there's going to be this thing called the resurrection. Absolutely. My version here says, Don't be so surprised. Indeed, the time is coming when all the dead in their graves will hear the voice of God's Son. That's a that's a wonderful thought, isn't it, Helen? <laughs> Absolutely, um, and that was was um, verse twenty eight. You know, Helen, this this to me is the real uh, core issue as far as Christianity is concerned. I don't know how many funerals you've been to in in your life. You probably count them in the hundreds now. <laughs> is probably my guess. Are you insisting uh, <laughs> on old? Yes, but I, I know I've taken. Quite a number myself. I've been yeah. to a, a lot more, but you know, it's when I share these particular passages at the 
from the scriptures at a funeral that people stand up and they actually start to take notice. I, I did actually on one occasion I had a funeral director come to me and he said, Gary, the hope that you're sharing is such a wonderful thing. Mm. He said, it is so clear, isn't it? And, mm-hmm. you know, to me, uh, funeral directors are used, this is their job, this is what they do all the time. Yes. And yet, when I actually had a funeral director come to me and say that to me, it really stood out to me because he is a, a professional in the field being uh, impressed by the words of the scriptures. Absolutely, Gary, and I know our time is flying, but let me share with you John 14, verse 6. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the what? And the life. And the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Jesus raised from the dead. He yeah. gave us that hope. And 1 Thessalonians, I think you probably know this one quite well, Gary. Mm. 1 Thessalonians 4.16. Yeah, let's uh, let's have a look at that uh, at that particular uh, passage. First uh, Thessalonians chapter four and uh, and verse uh, verse sixteen, and it uh, it says this. Uh, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, uh, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive will remain and will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we will always be with the Lord. Isn't that a beautiful passage? Oh, that's powerful. Isn't it's that powerful. Something? That's I mean, that, hope. That that's is hope. That hope. is hope. That is the thing that, yes. to me, I look and I say, "Hey, this is not you just live once on this earth. This is uh, this is hope for the future. This is something that is going to take us beyond this mortal life." Absolutely, absolutely. And you know, when I think about too, unfortunately, there is a popular deception, Gary, and I just want to touch on this very briefly um, concerning the truth about death. Yeah. And that's, it's, I mean, I think it was in Job 7, 9 to 10. But we need to be very careful because this is a teaching of spiritualism. You know, that we, we people live on. You know, I have a friend who um, believes her sister, she knows her sister died in a car accident and she heard knocking on her, her wardrobe. Yeah. And she wasn't frightened, so she had a conversation. And she said, are you my sister? Or do you know my sister? And this knocking was like, yes. She was so convinced that it was from her sister. Yeah. And yet we know it's not her sister because the Bible is very clear. Her sister is asleep. Yeah. And, you know, but to her... It's an emotional thing, yeah. and it and it's very real. And you know, we've got to be very careful that psychics who claim to communicate with the dead, movies and books about vampires and sorcery have become part of the fabric of society. They all propagate Satan's original lie when he told Adam and Eve, "You will not surely die." Ghosts are widely believed in when the truth is that the dead are resting in the grave, not haunting houses. Very quickly, let me share with you. A minister's wife many years ago spoke to me, and her mother had died. And she knows what the Bible says about death, but she sat next to her mother. And although her mother was dead, she heard her mother speak. And she felt warm. And it comforted her. And she said, and when they'd finished this conversation, and she knew it couldn't be a mother, the door, the window, the curtain sort of just moved a little bit and the room went cold. And she said, I understand why people are taken in by it. Mm-hmm. And she said, here am I who knows what the Bible says. Yeah. And yet it was comforting to me. 
And I thought, wow, that was pretty powerful, wasn't it? And this is something, Helen, that really, in our world today, we're getting more and more, if you look at uh, movies, you're looking at uh, Hollywood, you're getting more and more of the the new age, and you're getting more and more of uh, movies and and films that are depicting uh, what you're actually describing there. And to me, I think you make a very valid point there. This is this is really starting to have uh, a powerful impact on our society today. Absolutely, Gary. Yeah. Absolutely. So we, should we move on to some music and then we'll wrap it up? Let's let's do that. Let's come to some music. Thank you so much for helping me. I'm starting to uh, to get so wrapped up in our discussion that I forget the music and there are people who really appreciate our, our music. This is Fountain View Academy and Orchestra. This is Give Me the Bible. Give me the Bible, star of gladness gleaming, to cheer the wanderer, Lord, and tempest tossed. No storm can hide that peaceful radiance beaming, since Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Give me the Bible, holy message shining, thy light shall guide me in the narrow Precept and promise, law and law combining, till night shall vanish in eternal day. Give me the Bible when my heart is broken, when sin and grief have filled my soul with fear. Give me the precious words by Jesus spoken, Hold a face lamp to show my Savior near. Give me the Bible, holy message shining. Thy light shall guide me in the narrow way. Precept and promise, law and love combining. Till night shall vanish in eternal day. Give me the Bible. Steps enlightened, teach me the danger of these realms below. That lamp of safety o'er the gloom shall brighten, that light along the path of peace can show. Give me the Bible, holy message shining, thy light shall guide me in the narrow way. Precept and promise, law and love combine, till night shall vanish in eternal day. How powerful are the words of that uh, of that song? What an incredible blessing the scriptures are to us. Uh, welcome back. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time Big Q and A with Pastor Gary. Our co-host today is Helen Gray. Helen's the lay pastoral leader of the Birdwood Seventh-day Adventist Church. Our theme for this week is the passing of death, and today we're asking how did Christ relate to death? Helen, bring it all together for us. Okay, just quickly I want to finish on the note that um, in John eleven twenty five, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. And he said to Martha, do you believe this? Martha believed in the resurrection. Mm. 
of Jesus. And here Jesus was virtually saying when he comes, if a person died and went straight to heaven, there would be no need for a resurrection to take place, would there? Yeah. And I think that's important. Because we die and go to the grave, we need someone to wake us up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's hard to wake people up after anesthetic. Yeah. <laughs> Let me tell yeah. you. You know, but we need someone to wake us up, to close us with new bodies and take us to person. There is only one person that can do that. Mm. And that verse told us who. It's Jesus. Yeah. He's the resurrection and the life. And through Jesus, we can live again. Yeah. He is the bread of life. Anyone who eats of this bread will live forever, John yeah. tells me. And our hope in death is in Jesus, the resurrection of the life through whom we can live again. We will sleep until he comes. And I really think that a couple of questions we need to ask the listeners is, are you willing to put your faith in Jesus, the resurrection and the life, and trust him to be your Lord and Saviour? Mm. Mm. No, that's yep. uh, they're really important questions. You know, there is so much within the scriptures uh, that talks about this reality of the resurrection. I, I love actually First uh, Corinthians chapter fifteen as well, where uh, the great apostle Paul actually talks about Christ being the first fruits yes. of those who are going to come come forth from the grave. You know, I, I'm just imagining the time that will actually come when, you know, Christ does come because that is the promise of the Scriptures. Behold, you know, you, you know, you've got Christ going to come again and when he comes again, you have this wonderful promise that uh, those who have believed are going to come forth to a resurrection of life, a life not in some sort of uh, magical, um, uh, airy-fairy type of form, but real people with real bodies. You know, as so I look at that, I say, hey, what a picture the scriptures do actually speak uh, to us. But I want to add one word. Yeah, yeah, go on. You left out one word. Jesus says, behold, I come quickly. Yeah. So when we die, we go to sleep. Yeah. You know, when you have anesthetic, you know nothing. You think, you know, I remember waking up one day and they said, it's finished. And I said, what do you mean it's finished? You know, so for us when we're asleep, even though you might be asleep like David, you know, a thousand years, it's going to be like you went to sleep and the next minute you woke up. Time itself ceases to exist. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's where it comes in. The Lord will come quickly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, that's uh, that's powerful. But look, let's just come to just a a couple of really practical questions, if we can. Let's um, in ministry. You know, both you and me, we've got to deal with with death with, I suppose, monotonous regularity. You know, do you find that a person who understands death uh, finds it easier to confront death? Absolutely, Gary. If they understand what death is all about. I remember when my second mum, Delcy, was dying and um, she wasn't afraid of death. She didn't like the pain she was going through, but she wasn't afraid of death. And we often talked about it. And same with my biological mum. We talked about what death was all about. And I think that's important. I think it's important for people to be able to talk about it when they're dying. Yeah. Sometimes people say, oh, no, don't don't talk about that. That's yeah. ridiculous. But yeah. I feel it's an important thing yeah. for them to do it. And and I remember my nephew who died last year, and he, he had walked away from God, but he decided to come back to him. Mm-hmm. And when I visited him on his dying bed, he actually held my hand and he said, I've given my heart fully to God. And I know I'm going to go to sleep, yeah. but I'm looking forward to that morning. Yeah. There was peace 
Yeah. There was peace. He wasn't in anguish. He wasn't flailing around the bed. Yeah. He was completely at peace. Yeah. And that's just wonderful. That's one of the things that really stands out at me, that it is it is so possible for a person to come to death and yet be totally at peace with what is actually uh, occurring. And uh, what I what I have found, I suppose, throughout my ministry is that those individuals who who have got a relationship with Jesus Christ seem to be able to approach their own death with a with a peace that is often not evident uh, with others who don't have that sort of relationship. Yes. You know, Ellen, um, Helen, one of the other uh, things that I, I do want to bring up, and uh, do you think it's important, because we talk about uh, coming to the, uh, making preparation for death, and we'll make wills and we'll, you know, end-of-life directives and we'll, you know, say where our property's got to go. But, you know, one of the other really practical things that I'm really conscious of is, uh, do you think it's important to... Uh, I suppose, as far as relationships are concerned, because I'm conscious that sometimes people in in their life have um, have fallen out with family members. Uh-huh. In 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 preparation for, is there a time? Do you think that it's worth you know, hey, repairing some of those relationships? Absolutely, absolutely, Gary. Not only for the person that's dying. It's important for the person they're leaving behind, yeah. um, because it's, it's such a it, it's such a time of grief, Gary. And we yeah. talked about that through the week yeah. about going through the stages of yeah. grief. But it is such a time of grief that if you are left with someone has died and and you know you wanted to make peace with them, but you never had that chance, yeah. or you never took that chance, that is a regret that people go through life with. Yeah. Yeah. And they've got to be very hard-hearted if they say it doesn't bother me yeah. because, you know, I found it does bother people. And if there's any way of making that reconciliation, it's important that it is it is done yeah, yeah. before that time. Yeah. Um, it's a blessing, though, when people lose someone and they don't know the doctrine of death. And uh, I had a lass that came in when, when Delcy died and the room, she was still there. We were waiting for the doctor come and pronounce her dead and this this carer walked in i'd never seen her before she walked in and normally the carers are always very busy Mm. but we were able to talk for two and a half hours Mm. and she brought up three times that her grandfather was looking down on her now i let it go twice and then the third time i thought no i need to speak up here and i explained to her i used to believe the same thing Mm. so there we were in the ward and you know i didn't have the bible with me but i shared with her what the Bible says. And afterwards she said, that makes so much sense. Yeah. And she said, I feel really at peace with that. Mm. And to me, that was that was another step that I thought, I need to make sure that people know what happens when they die. And, you know, you know? that expression that you just used there is actually so important. You said that that makes sense. Yes. You know, I have actually had so many people actually say to me exactly that thing. When we've presented to them what the scriptures actually share uh, concerning uh, what happens when a person dies, they just look at me and say, wow, that yes. makes sense. Because yes. so many have struggled to understand, okay, they go flitting off to heaven, but then there's a resurrection spoken about. So what happens? Mm-hmm. Does the person come down and then go back up mm-hmm. again? And, mm-hmm. you know, it's all Almost an elevator uh, that is that is being <laughs> that's being pictured there, and yet I you know I have had person after person say to me, "Hey, that makes sense," and you know it makes sense. It provides hope, 
and it provides peace to both the family and to the individual. Uh, Gary, can I interrupt and ask you a practical question? You never know what I'm going to No, it's with. always <laughs> dangerous when you do that. Gary, what if you are called to the bedside of someone who's dying who hasn't given their heart to the Lord? How do you deal with that? I'm, I'm increasingly um, more and more willing to simply ask the person the question because I would rather be embarrassed by the person saying, no, I, that's not for me, yes. uh, than to have them um, not have an opportunity to accept Jesus Christ. So, you know, one of the things that I will actually ask is, you know, have you accepted Jesus Christ? Would you like to accept Jesus yeah. Christ? There's possibly a better one. And uh, and I've found that there's amazing. I just a little while ago I went to the to the bedside of a of a person and uh, uh, was actually taken there by a by a Christian friend and they said, look, you know, they've never accepted Jesus Christ, but they've talked to me so many times about the things of God. Mm-hmm. Um, I said, and they said, we don't know if he would like to. And I just, I just went in and we, uh, we talked for just two or three minutes. And then, then I just simply said to him, have you ever thought of accepting Jesus Christ? And his response was just immediate. Oh, yes, I'd like to do that, but no one's ever asked me. Yeah. You know, and I thought, what an incredible travesty. If in fact, you know, a person, uh, was to not have made that decision and have not come to the level of peace that's possible when you actually have that relationship. And, uh, to me, I would rather be embarrassed these days uh, by possibly a person saying no than to risk not asking that question. Bless you, Gary, for that. Yes, we need to take that opportunity, don't we? We do. We and do. not only at that time, we need to get this word out to people yeah, now yeah. while they're living. The two things that I'm yes. challenging people on incredibly is that, you know, I, I'm so conscious that in preparation for death, what tends to happen is people do put their wills in place. A lot of them have put their end-of-life directive in place. They've, uh, you know, they've distributed property, perhaps, all of this, uh, all of this sort of stuff. But the two things which they most frequently uh, overlook is, hey, uh, what decision have I made for Jesus Christ? And that's the most important. And that's the most important. Yes. And the other one is, am I at war with my family? Yes. And, hey, you know, is there something there that I need to make peace with? Yeah. They, they're probably the two issues that if anything is overlooked, I believe it's those two issues that are overlooked. I believe you're correct, quite correct on that one. I remember the story of the young man who was called into the captain's um, cabin. The captain was was very, very ill and appeared to be dying, and he wanted him to read from Scripture, and he read from Isaiah 53, but he put the captain's name in it. Remember we did this mm. a couple of weeks mm. ago, and Indeed. we made it personal. Indeed. And he read it, and the captain said, read it again. Three times I think he asked him to read it again because that became so personal to that captain. Yeah. yeah. And I think there is something we can do too. I know when Delcy um, was was dying, she just wanted me to keep re- repeating the Lord's Prayer. Yeah. And then she went on to the shepherd's psalm. And right towards the end, she could still say it word for word. It brought comfort to her soul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that is so powerful. Mm. Look, let's come to some music. This is Bill and Gloria Gaither. Uh, this could be the dawning until and also until then. Please enjoy. Mm. 
Thank you, Helen. Please pray for us. Yes, okay. Loving Heavenly Father, this could be the dawning of the day for everyone that hasn't heard about what the Bible says about death. I pray, Lord, that people will study the words, Lord. I pray they'll take it into their hearts and their minds, and it will indeed bring comfort if they're going through um, a an illness at the moment, facing death, or for the families, dear Lord. I pray, dear Lord, that their hearts can be right with you before that day comes. May each one of us make the decision to accept what you have said about death, that it is only asleep, Lord, and we must not be afraid of it. It is only asleep, and then we will look forward to waking us up. So bless each listener, Father, today. And I pray that they will make that choice to follow you completely, that they can have that rest and peace in their souls. I ask in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, it does look like our time's up for today. Thank you so much for joining Pastor Gary and Helen Gray on Drive Time Big Q&A. Please join us tomorrow when we look at how a person comes into a relationship with Jesus Christ. We really look forward to seeing you. But until then, please remember, Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. May our God richly bless you.